0: normal broadcasting has been discontinued coming to you from portland oregon the sports business capital of north america keep your radio tuned
1: to this frequency
0: you're listening to sports business radio now your host i tell you i've never seen anything like that guy brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Happy New Year. In segment three, we're going to give you some of the TV numbers from several big sporting events that took place this week. From the Patriots-Giants triple cast on CBS, NBC, and the NFL Network, to the ratings for the New Year's Day bowl games, we have the numbers for you. Heck, there's even some positive TV numbers for the NHL for the first time in years. We'll get to that in segment three. In segment four, Sports Sense, Bill Polian. He's the president of the defending Super Bowl champion Indianapolis Colts. Under Polian's leadership, the Colts have blossomed into one of the best organizations in all of sports. We'll catch up with Polian in segment four of today's show. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download our podcast on demand at sportsbusinessradio.com. Excuse my voice this week. I got a little, uh... Bug for New Year's. That's little okay, under I'll make other. Nathan, uh, hopefully you'll uh, carry the load. Uh, Happy New Year, Nathan. Happy New Year to everybody. So, you know, I'm really excited. Bill Polian's a guy I've wanted to have on this show for a long time. He was hired in 1998, and his first key decision he had to make, he had the number one pick in the NFL draft. And if you remember, there was a big debate do we take Peyton Manning? Do we take Ryan Leaf out of Washington State? Can you even imagine? how the Colts' future would have gone if Pollian had made the wrong decision
1: and taken Leaf instead of Manning. Well, you know, everybody bashes Ryan Leaf now, but at the time, Ryan Leaf was as good or as hyped up as Peyton Manning, so it was obviously an excellent decision. And we talk all the time about... NFL owners and and buying an NFL team is the way to go, well, here is an NFL team that you would want to purchase and be in this situation.
0: Well, and we talk about the stars, Peyton Manning, you talk about Tom Brady with the Patriots, but guys like Bill Polian and Scott Pioli, who's really the architect for the Patriots, those are the guys who put these teams together and have done so largely through the NFL draft. So they've got to have a keen eye for talent. can't wait to talk to Polian in segment four. Something else I want to talk about on today's show. I am really, really bitter about how the college football bowl season is going so far. It has been the worst bowl season in my memory, and the BCS games are just horrific, and the TV numbers will reflect that. Playoffs, anyone? Yeah. For me, I'll take playoffs and more playoffs every time. We'll talk about that coming up later. Next, headlines. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit SportsBusinessRadio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline. Sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit WarsawCenter.com for more information. Headline number one. Roger Clemens says he was injected with lidocaine and B12 and not steroids or human growth hormone by former trainer Brian McNamee, according to a portion of an interview with CBS's 60 Minutes, which was released on Thursday. According to CBS, Clemens calls the accusation that he's used steroids and HGH ridiculous and says he never used any banned substances. The interview was conducted this last week. It's going to air on Sunday after the playoffs. Nathan, the interesting thing here is Brian McNamee and his lawyers have said that if Clemens calls him a liar in essence, they will
1: file a defamation of character lawsuit against Clemens. This could get real interesting. It could get real interesting. And, Brian, if you remember, I know you do, a couple weeks ago you said, look, if you're Roger Clemens, you need to come out swinging – if you want to prove that you did not take steroids or even, you know, say that you did not take them at all. And the only way that this is going to come to an end, I think, is if Clements has to take the stand for a defamation of character suit. You're right. I mean, just like we talked about with Lance
0: Armstrong, he has vigorously defended himself against doping allegations. And so far, no one has proved that he's used any kind of illegal substances. So what Roger Clemens is doing is he's vigorously defending himself. Listen, during my day job, I'm a publicist. Nathan, I know you do PR too. If you look at how Roger Clemens has handled this, it's pretty interesting. First of all, he doesn't issue any kind of a statement for several weeks. Then he does this YouTube video where it's a controlled atmosphere. He controls it he doesn't have to answer any questions. It's just him basically looking into a camera and telling
1: his side of the story. Now he sits down with 60 Minutes, again, a one-on-one with someone. with He's Mike, Mike Wallace, nonetheless, who loves the Yankees and likes Roger Clemens. So it's a little fishy, if you ask me.
0: Well, the interesting thing is, is that Monday— Roger Clemens is reportedly going to have a press conference. Now, if there are many media members there and he's in front of the firing squad, then that's going to get interesting because that's not a controlled situation anymore, and we'll see how Roger Clemens handles himself there. But so far, he's vigorously defending himself, and we'll see because like you said, it's going to turn out to be a he said, she said thing unless Clemens winds up on the stand and then he can't
1: perjure himself as it looks like Barry Bonds has done well we've seen Floyd Landis try to do the exact same thing and it hasn't turned out as success as successful for Floyd Landis as it did for Lance Armstrong I will be interested to see how people view Roger Clemens after this is all said and done well last thing to remember here is that since age 40
0: and Clemens is 45 now. He's made almost $100 million in salary. So Roger Clemens has tons and tons of money to go to battle with to hire lawyers and publicists and you know, try and clear his name so he still gets into the Hall of Fame. Our next headline, the NFL's regular season concluded last weekend, and as always at the end of the season, there's a flurry of transactions in the front offices. Well, the Dolphins made big news this week. Executive VP of Football Operations Bill Parcells, who was recently hired, fired head coach Cam Cameron and GM Randy Mueller and he hired Jeff Ireland who worked with him when the two are with the Dallas
1: Cowboys as the team's new GM they're still looking for a head coach well this shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone the Dolphins had a terrible season I think anybody Parcells especially steps into that role you've got to do some house cleaning and get your team back in order Absolutely, and he brings in guys that he's worked with before and that he trusts. Now, another
0: big headline this week, uh, Chargers GM A.J. Smith signed a five-year contract extension worth over $11 million. That'll take him through the 2014 season. It's believed to be the third richest and longest packed amongst
1: NFL GMs just behind Parcells and Lions president and CEO Matt Millen. That's well, a joke. I Well, yeah, but I know I know you're a big fan of the Chargers, and this, is, I think, is a good move for the Chargers. They've had a lot of success in the last couple years. I keep them there. Yeah,
0: A.J. Smith has been on this show. I'm a big fan of his. I think just like Bill Polian, just like Scott Pioli, he's got a keen eye for talent, and that's a guy that you keep around. Now, the Ravens fired Brian Billick after nine seasons. Uh, owner Steve Bisciotti said it was the toughest decision he's ever had to make. One of the reasons it was tough is because they just signed him to a four year extension in 2006 and for the next three years brian Billick's gonna
1: make 15 million dollars where do I sign up to make $15 million to go play golf? You know, every time we talk about a coach getting fired and still getting paid, I wonder the same thing. How do I get that gig? I sign a contract extension, and now I'm going to sit down, play some golf, drink some beers, and make $15 bucks. Mike Nolan will return for the 2008
0: season as the coach of the 49ers. He has two years left on his current deal, which pays him $1.6 million a year. Bills GM Marv Levy resigned after serving two years in the position. Looks like Coach Dick Jerron will likely gain more authority and possibly more control after Levy's departure. Our next headline. This is a weird one. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I was just in Tampa Bay for the holidays, in an attempt to preserve their home field advantage for Sunday's NFC playoff game against the Giants. They've instituted a policy where only fans who have a Florida mailing address can buy tickets to the game.
1: Talk about a home field advantage. They want nobody but Florida fans at their game. Brian, are you calling Grandma right now asking her to purchase tickets for you so you can get in that game? I actually think it's a really cool strategic mood for home field advantage, but it also kind of defeats the purpose of sports. I understand the concept of playing at home in front of your own fans, but come on, you got to have a little bit of balance there. Here's the funny thing, is that there's probably more New York transplants
0: in Florida than there are, like, original Floridians. So there's people that have two addresses. I've got my New York address, and I've got my Florida address. So there's a lot of New York fans that may I, like the Giants. I mean, are Giants. we really going to
1: see that big of a difference? You th- you think we're going to see a ton of Giants fans? Uh, I don't think it will be a ton, but I think there will be a decent amount. Again, just because there's a lot of people
0: from New York that live in Florida, especially during the winter months. So we'll see. But, you know, it's interesting that an NFL team would go to this Lynx to protect their home field. Our next headline, the Yankees, Hoo-wee. they owe $23.8 million to Major League Baseball in luxury tax for 2007. That's down from $26 million last year and a high of $33 million in 2005. This is according to the Associated Press. The only other club in Major League Baseball to have to pay a luxury tax for last year
1: the Boston Red Sox at $6 million, but that was money well spent because at least they won the world championship. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's not exactly money well spent, and I think we'll continue to see the same thing from the Yankees, and I don't know if we're going to continue to see them as world champions moving forward. Well, I think the Red Sox will continue to uh, be very competitive,
0: but the Yankees, you know, as we've said time and time again on this show, if you have a payroll of $200 million and you're getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs every year, that is not a good return on your investment. They're paying Alex Rodriguez huge sums of money now. Derek Jeter makes a lot of money, so they've got to get a better return on their investment. Now, the tax threshold is going to rise from $148 million to $155 million in 2008. Anything over that, you're paying the luxury tax. It's also interesting to note that teams that are getting money from teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox, teams like the Marlins and the Devil Rays, they're
1: making $20 million from these luxury tax bills and they're and they're more successful than the Yankees are. That's the best part about this. They're making money and making it further and the Yankees are spending money and not going anywhere. Yeah, but the sad thing is, is that they're not putting
0: any of this money back into payroll. So the fans, I mean, look, the Marlins just trade away Dontrell
1: and Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, but that's the Marlins. We've seen that before.
0: Well, but you've got several teams that aren't spending money, and that's a concern. It's a concern when you have teams that spend too much money, but it's also a concern when you have teams that aren't being competitive and that aren't spending enough money. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to go over a lot of the TV numbers. You know, There was the Giants-Patriots triple cast, just amazing TV numbers for that. We'll talk about how the NFL Network decided to show that on free TV. Um, And then we're going to talk about some of the college football bowl game numbers. And let me tell you what. I said in segment one, I'm very disappointed in the college football games. After you hear some of these TV numbers, you're going to see that I'm not the only one in America that's disappointed by
1: what we've seen on television because the numbers stink. Well, and and I know we'll get into this, but I think it's finally been washed out. There's so many bowl games. People can't keep up with it anymore. People don't care. They don't even know who's playing and what games. So they're not you know is likely to pay attention and tune in. And these games are blowouts and frankly, I don't want to see
0: Fox showing 58 cutaways of bands during BCS games. I don't need to see the bands. We'll talk about that more next. Coming up on Sports, Business, Radio. Ryan Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we
2: have a BCS-type system in Division One A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division One A feel that the regular season is the most
1: important aspect. Of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand
0: at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday <laughs> or online at SportsBusinessRadio.com. The website is SportsBusinessRadio.com. We are back, and this time of year there's a lot of sports on TV. But Nathan, really an amazing sporting event that we saw about a week ago at this time the New England Patriots and the New York Giants. The Patriots going for a 16 and 0 perfect undefeated regular season. And we followed the NFL Network story all year long and this was going to be their real big hammer. This big game that everyone wanted to see history in the making and the NFL Network had the hammer of we've got this game on our network and it's not on free TV and we're trying to get the cable companies to pick up the game and What ended up happening is, and I think it was a good move, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, said, you know what, doesn't look like we're going to get a deal done in time for the game. Let's let all of our fans see this game. Because a lot of fans said, you know what, the NFL is throwing the fans under the bus, so to speak, here in their battle with the cable companies, and we're going to be the ones that lose out. So a last-second decision was made for... The game to be shown on not only the NFL network, but it was simulcast on NBC and CBS. It was on NBC because they have the rights to prime time over the air NFL games, and CBS broadcasts interconference games in which the AFC team is the visiting team. That's how they got it, and Fox wasn't part of the, the simulcast. But Nathan, the bottom line is
1: this the numbers were huge. Well, the numbers are huge. I mean, an average of 34.5 million viewers watched the game. CBS drew a rating of 15, or drew 15.7 million viewers, and NBC drew 13.2. What I personally liked about this is I'm forced to watch NFL games, the ones I want to watch, on the networks they're on. Personally, I prefer NBC. This allowed me to choose between NFL Network, CBS, and NBC, and I like watching football on NBC. Well, and for the
0: record, it's interesting. A lot of people took polls, are you going to watch on CBS, are you going to watch on NBC? I watched on CBS, and I watched on CBS because the picture was much better than it was on NBC. And. I'm not sure why that was. I watched from Florida, but it just looked better on CBS. Now, this was the most watched regular season game since the Kansas City Chiefs played the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day in 1995. CBS drew 15.7 million viewers, while NBC drew 13.2 million viewers. The NFL Network drew 4.5 local stations in New York and New England combined for an additional 1.2 million viewers. That's how it was all added up to 34.5 million viewers. It was the most viewed TV program since the Academy Awards on February 25th. So not only was it a huge sports program, but it was one of the most watched TV
1: programs of any TV program all year long. Well, yeah, and just to put the numbers into perspective, compared to other games with the Patriots this season, the four most viewed NFL games this season involved the Patriots, of course, October 14th against the Cowboys, 29.1 million, and then November 4th against the Colts, 33.8 million. So this still just blew it out of the water by another million people tuned into this game to see it happen.
0: The game I want to see, and I think everyone wants to see this game, is... In the AFC Championship, I want to see the Patriots and the Colts matched up against each other again. I think that would
1: be well. And we saw a great game game. last year against the two of them,
0: right? And that got huge numbers. So we'll see. But you know, this will be interesting to see. What does the NFL Network do now? They don't have any live games again until next November. Really, they've got no hammer to force the cable companies to get a deal done. As I've said a million times on the show, I think. A deal only gets done when the NFL says to the cable companies, we will give you part ownership of the NFL network. Once they have a vested interest, then maybe a deal gets done. Now let's talk about some of the college football bowl games. Fox earned a 7.9 Nielsen rating for the All-State Sugar Bowl featuring Georgia and Hawaii. That was down 11% from the thrilling Boise State Oklahoma Fiesta Bowl last year, which aired in prime time on New Year's Day. Georgia won the Sugar Bowl in a 41 10 blowout. Um, you know, again, there's a trend here, Nathan. If you go on and, and talk about the Rose Bowl, uh, that was down 17% from last year's USC Michigan matchup. USC Illinois, it was a blowout. And really a lot of people tuned out of the game by halftime.
1: Well, I think what was happening, and it happened with me too, is there's a lot of bowl games on, so I'm switching back and forth. I want to see what are the close games. And there just weren't any close games to really tune into and get into at the end. I mean, Boise State last season was one of the best college football games I've seen. And like I said in the earlier segment, I think there's so many bowl games, so many teams. you got you got teams that are 6-6 six and six playing in bowl games against teams that are 11-2. and two. I just don't think that you're going to get good matchups that way. Fox earned a 3.4 rating for the AT&T Cotton Bowl featuring Missouri and
0: Arkansas. That's down almost 13% from last year. And then uh, CBS's coverage of the Texas Tech Virginia Conica Minolta Gator Bowl earned a 2.7 rating. That's down 34% from last year. So as you can see, there's a trend here. All the bowl games are down. They're not competitive. There's too many bowl games. And frankly, I think Fox's coverage stinks. I don't need to see 58, and that's how many cutaways they showed, 58 cutaways in the Oklahoma-West Virginia Fiesta Bowl game to the bands. I mean, their coverage makes no sense. And then these games are non-competitive. That doesn't help things either. Now, before we wrap this segment, I'll tell you, I rip on the NHL all the time. But the one thing I did watch on New Year's Day was the Winter Classic. uh, That was the Amp Energy Winter Classic. It was a great game. Played outdoors. Ralph Wilson Stadium. 71,000 people attended the game. And, Nathan, it got good ratings. There was snow falling. Sidney Crosby uh, won the game in a shootout for the Penguins. And it was the best game
1: on TV for the NHL since February of 96. Well, like you said earlier, Brian... This is hockey. It's supposed to be outside. It's supposed to be cold. It's so much more believable, even on TV when you're seeing it in a big stadium. It's snowing outside. If I'm watching a hockey game in Anaheim, when I know it's 75 degrees, it's indoors, it just doesn't have the same appeal. Well, I think if the NHL was smart, seriously, they would think of playing
0: more of their games outside, especially during the cold months, because you're going back to your roots. And I think at the very least, they need to make this New Year's Day game a tradition and do this every single year. Because you saw this year, it worked. And it got the average fan who is flipping through the channels, watching college football games, to switch over and go, Hey,
1: look at them. They're playing in a snow flurry. That looks pretty cool. Oh, it's really cool. It's just like Thanksgiving Day NFL. They should make hockey New Year's Eve. Coming up next...
0: Bill Poley and the president of the defending Super Bowl champion Indianapolis Colts. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection, not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu, and they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. One-on-one with those making the big-time decisions that impact your sport. This is Sports Sense on Sports Business Radio. Radio. My guest is Bill Polian. He's the president of the NFL's Indianapolis Colts. He's a five-time winner of the league's Executive of the Year Award. Bill, I know you're very busy this week. Thanks for making some time to join us. Glad to do it. You know, you look at your football resume, and uh, it's just incredible. You built a Buffalo Bills team that appeared in four straight Super Bowls. You helped guide the Carolina Panthers to the NFC Championship in only the team's second year of existence. And now you've built a Colts team that has won 12 or more games every year since 2003. By the way, that's an NFL record. You added a Super Bowl victory to your resume when the Colts beat the Chicago Bears in last year's Super Bowl. How sweet was it to finally climb to the top of the mountain after being so close previously?
2: Well, it obviously it's always very nice to win, and um, it's um, it's great to uh, have the ultimate experience. I joked with the commissioner when I got on the on the podium for the victory presentation that um, you know I didn't know what to do up there because I'd been <laughs> in the other locker room so long. Oh, gosh! But. Uh, uh, yeah, I felt best for all of the people here in this organization who, you know, had not had a lot of success over time, and 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 we we we've come in and had really pretty quick success. Um, we were 13 and three our second year here, and then and then failed to make it to the big game for for a period of time. So I really felt good for them that it, that that they finally got the opportunity. to to feel like what it was like to get there I'd been there before (laughs) you know the thing that's most
0: impressive about your organization to me is that everyone seems to be on the same page from the top to the bottom football operations and business operations As the person who oversees the entire Colts organization share with us if you would maybe your two to three main philosophies for success because you've obviously had success wherever you've
2: been well, I think the first thing you have to recognize is what it takes to win is simple, but it isn't easy. Um, it it's It's very difficult to stay the course and to do the things that it takes to win on a on a regular basis um, when you when you don't succeed on a continual basis. and by that, I mean winning the Super Bowl on a continual basis because um, in our culture, uh, in the National Football League culture these days. Um, if you're the Super Bowl loser, you might as well be 3-13. and 13. There, There's no differentiation in the public mind and in the media mind uh, b- between the loser of the Super Bowl and the worst team in the league. Um, I've often said that, uh, for example, when the St. Louis Cardinals were swept by the Boston Red Sox in Boston's miracle season uh, a couple years ago, um, the, the cardinals were not considered uh you know a a, a pitiable loser right uh, whereas the the loser of the super Bowl almost always is so um you got to stay the course and you and you got to recognize that perseverance is is perhaps the most important thing you can have in this business and then ultimately you have to recognize that it's the the product on the field that That's what drives everything and that what you have to do as an organization is do everything you can to support that and to make sure that that the people who have to do the playing have every opportunity to win. It's important that we make a profit. It's important that we maximize our opportunities to uh, uh, um, generate revenue because that's what ultimately puts the product on the field, but we also have to recognize that uh, winning and losing is, is really what drives the train. Well, and you've got to have a little bit of luck, right?
0: I mean, Peyton Manning has stayed healthy, uh, you know, a kick here and there, and, and things
2: could be different. So doesn't luck play a little bit of a part? It most certainly does. Um, I, I would be the last one to tell you that, uh, that, that, that it does not. Uh, Branch Rickey, who I think is the, maybe the greatest sports executive of all time, said that uh, luck is the residue of design. It's a great And saying. I think there's, a, in large me- measure, that's true, but uh, you you, you got to have some luck too along the way. Uh, for example, this year the Patriots did something that no one ever thought could be done again, which is to go undefeated during the regular season. And and part of that, the reason they did that is because they had their good players healthy for the vast majority of the time. Uh, and and that's purely a function of luck. If you if you're you can have the greatest team in the NFL, and if they're not out there on the field and they're not healthy. Uh, you're not a very good team, so um, it, it luck plays a, plays a role in it, no question.
0: My guest is Bill Polian; He's the president of the NFL's Indianapolis Colts. Bill, let's talk about the playoffs for a moment. Uh, last year, the Colts were a three-seed in the AFC. You went all the way, and you won the Super Bowl. This year, you're a two-seed, but because the Patriots have had this undefeated season, I almost get the sense, even though you're the— uh, defending Super Bowl champs, you guys are kind of flying under the radar. Is that kind of a good thing, maybe low expectations?
2: Well, I don't know about expectations, but we like being under the radar. Uh, the, the fact that uh, we're, we're not a uh, 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 under the microscope every single day is a good thing from our perspective, and, uh, and we're very happy to be uh, a below-the-radar team and let our, let our plan do the speaking for us.
0: Well, and any team that has Peyton Manning on it, I'm definitely not betting against that team. You know, you joined the Colts organization in 1998. One of your first moves was to draft Peyton Manning with the number 1 pick. Since then, Peyton's really become the face of the NFL. He's one of the league's most marketable players. What is it about Peyton Manning that sets him apart from everyone else, both on and off the field?
2: Well, I I can't speak for the marketing sides of it other than to say that his non-football personality, meaning when he's not preparing for or playing a game, is, is not unlike what you see on some of the commercials. Mm-hmm. That, that sort of um, uh, funny um, kind of offbeat sense of humor comes through, and that's the way he is when he's not in a game preparation mode. Um, what sets him apart on the field is that I've never seen a player in my career uh, who prepares as hard and as diligently and as consistently as Peyton Manning. He watches more tape than most coaches um, he's, he's got notebooks full of material on every player he's played against his, his preparation is absolutely meticulous uh, he leaves no stone unturned he'll do anything that it takes to win and he does it uh, 11 months a year uh, we have to really work hard to slow him down in the off season because uh, uh, you want him to get away from football some, and you want to certainly rest his arm. and And, and he's back here uh, on April 1st and, and raring to go, just like as though it was October 1st. So uh, his work ethic and his preparation is unparalleled.
0: I've got to ask you this question because I've always wanted to ask it. I remember back in 1998 there was the debate between Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf, and now we look back and it's almost laughable that there was even a debate. Obviously, you made the right decision, but in your heart of hearts, was there ever even a little bit of a thought as to maybe taking Ryan Leaf over Peyton Manning?
2: Well, we had to do our due diligence. We weren't going to accept the fact that uh, conventional wisdom said that uh, Ryan Leaf was the better player. Um, When we began the process, I think there was a split camp even among our scouts, as we got to the end it was pretty obvious that Peyton was gonna be the better choice for any number of reasons, not the least of which was his work ethic and the fact that he'd been in school for four years and was really prepared to come in and take over the job of being a quarterback in the National Football League, albeit the fact that he was we knew he was gonna struggle as a rookie, everyone does. But um you know I think he was far more prepared than Ryan at that point in time and uh, the conventional wisdom of course was just the opposite but what shocked me as we went through the process and speaks to why the process is so important is that the conventional wisdom was so often wrong Uh, all you heard was that Ryan Leaf had a much stronger arm than Peyton Manning when you actually measured them that was not the case at all in fact it was the reverse Peyton's arm was stronger um uh, you heard that uh Ryan was the better athlete. Um that wasn't true. They were at least equal and there were some people who would make the argument that Peyton was better. Uh in terms of uh uh being a, a quote product of the system. Uh I, I don't know what that meant. Uh, right. He didn't play in our system in college. Right. <laughs> and and the system at Tennessee hasn't been as efficient since he left. So exactly. I, I, I don't I don't know what that meant. And finally the fact that he, he was not going to be any better uh, at, at 28 or 29 than he was at 21. Well, at 28 he set a record for touchdown passes thrown in the NFL. So it, it proves once again that you, you need to do your homework, you need to turn over every rock, you need to apply the appropriate standards and metrics and, and judge people based on objective standards and, and not pay any attention to the conventional wisdom.
0: You know, you talk about doing your homework. You are probably one of the most keen talent evaluators in the history of the NFL. I look at some of these gems that you've uncovered in the draft. You get uh, wide receiver Reggie Wayne in 2001, defensive end Dwight Freeney, who a lot of people said was too small in 2002, tight end Dallas Clark in 2003, Bob Sanders in 2004, and then Joseph Adai to replace Edger and James in 2006. You've built your team largely through the draft and not so much through free agency. Maybe talk about that philosophy for a moment, if you would.
2: Well, part of that is economically driven um, because we have hit on so many number one draft choices and high choices, and because we have so many stars, um, we don't have a lot of cap room left over when you pay those players to go and get involved in free agency. That's point one. Point two is, we, we would much prefer as an organization to grow our own because we think that when a player comes in here at 21 or 22 years of age and, and develops in our culture and does things the way we want to do things and learns how to practice the way we want to practice and prepare the way we want to prepare and to play the way we want to play, which speaks to penalty avoidance and, and, and lack of flamboyancy and team work ethic and things of that nature, that we're better off with that player than, than bringing somebody in from outside who thinks that somehow or other he's going to graft his personality uh, or that that we're going to adjust to his personality. Um, it, I, I think you, you, you're you probably barking up the wrong uh, tree when you do that. Now, we've had some limited success in free agency. Brandon Stokely comes to mind uh, a, as a player that really was a, came in here as a free agent and contributed, but we've had – uh, probably little or no success with high-ticket free agents. Uh, that Really the only one that I can think of that uh, comes to mind off the top of my head is Chad Bratsky, who really was a guy that we wanted to bring in here to try and create the kind of winning atmosphere that we needed um, on the defensive side of the ball. So bottom line is the combination of cap room and, and you might say corporate culture leads us uh, to grow our own rather than 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 go in the free agent market
0: well one guy you sign that i'll take on my team any day of the week is uh adam vinatieri uh any day there needs to be a last second kick uh that's my
2: guy well there's an example of a guy that fit perfectly um i had forgotten about that <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to forget about him no certainly not uh he he is uh you know i guess he's the exception that proves the rule but uh His attitude, his approach, uh, everything about him uh, speaks to the the things that we think are important. And he, as we expected, came in here from day one and fit right in and continues to be a a valued and, and important contributor. Just a few
0: minutes left. Uh, the Colts are going to begin play at Lucas Oil Stadium starting this fall. I read where the stadium cost is estimated at $675 million. Looks like you're going to seat about 63000 for football. It can be refigured uh, to 70000 for things like the NCAA Final Four. Talk to me a little bit about this new stadium. Uh, the renderings I see, it looks like it's a fantastic facility.
2: Well, it is going to be a great facility. It's, uh, it's uh, very modern, retractable roof. Um, but yet, uh, like Conceco Fieldhouse, which is our um, wonderful basketball arena here in, in Indianapolis, it's uh, in some ways retro too. Has a retro look and feel to it, uh, which is uh, speaks to uh, nostalgia and speaks to the uh, golden age of sports and sort of speaks to what the Midwest is about. And uh, and so it will fit perfectly in the, in the footprint of downtown, and uh, it'll be a, an exciting time for us to move into that building Um, from a business standpoint it's going to provide us with uh, 7,000 more seats than we have now quite a few more club seats than we presently have so it'll make us a little more competitive right now we're the um, lowest capacity in the league by far by about 8,000 seats so that's going to help us to some degree in terms of competitiveness because as you know uh, cash is king in the free agency market and you can generate more cash from your stadium. Uh, you remain more competitive. Um, and uh, most importantly, it's going to be a great addition for Indianapolis. Um, it frees up the uh, area right now that is occupied by the RCA Dome to become convention center space, and that's going to help us add conventions that we lost in the past because our space was too limited to accommodate them. And believe it or not, we are a very um, uh, frequent and good convention uh, uh, site. People like to come here. And uh, so we needed the convention space. Secondly, it's allowed us, because of uh, our proximity to the NCAA offices, which are about uh, 20 blocks from where I sit right now, um, to work a deal with them whereby we will have a major NCAA event uh, in the building, whether it be women's Final Four, men's Final Four, uh, uh, regional finals, uh, the NCAA convention, things of that nature, uh, every year for, uh, through, 19, uh, through 2035, excuse me. So um, it will be an important site, uh, and particularly for the men's Final Four. And there are lots of people in the basketball community who uh... who have said the final four to be in indianapolis every year well that's not feasible but this building allows us to host it on a regular basis uh... going forward and we're going to do that and and that's that's a real positive uh... it's also capable of hosting national political conventions and events of that type uh... we've been in the running for some of those in the past and haven't had a building big enough and modern enough to handle it so i think that's something that's uh, on the horizon. so in the end it turns out to be a win-win both for the colts and for the city and and a boon to the economy of this city and uh but of course from our perspective uh we're looking forward to moving into it next year. Bill last question
0: uh you've had an incredible career thus far what are you most proud of?
2: Gosh, I, i'm not one on you know who's big on on, on retrospectives um I guess I'll do that whenever I retire, which sure. isn't going to be anytime soon. Uh, but I guess the con- the consistent winning over time probably. If you ask me to pick one thing, our teams have have been competitive uh, and and consistent winners over time, and and I think the quality of of the people, uh, which doesn't speak to me, it speaks to their quality, but the quality of people we've had, you know the the Bruce Smiths, the the Thurman Thomases, the Jim Kellys, the Marv Levy's, the Tony Dungy's, the Peyton Manning's, the the Marvin Harrison's. uh, You know, they're they're all great people as well as Hall of Fame players. So, um, uh, you know, you can't help but but feel good about that. And I I feel that that's not my doing. I'm just very blessed to have been associated with people like that. I will um, have spent the bulk of my career – however much longer it goes, with, uh, with two Hall of Fame coaches, Marv Levy and Tony Dungy, you don't get any luckier than that.
0: Now that's tremendous, Bill. That's all the time we have guests appearing during our Sports Sense segment. will be treated to the gold standard of all steakhouses. Morton's the steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. For the Morton's nearest you, go online to mortons.com. Bill, again, I've wanted to have you on the show for a long time. I'm a big admirer of yours, and I wish you the best of luck in the NFL playoffs this year.
2: Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure being with you.
0: You take care. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training monitoring and feedback... We'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio.
1: We are back, and Nathan, a a fun story to end this weekend show with. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, but Mike Flint is a 59-year-old grandfather who just finished his long-delayed senior season of what other than college football at Sol Ross State University in California. He's also the newest client of LeBron James's athlete management company, LRMR Management. And this has movie written all over it. It's the new Rudy, except for a 59-year-old grandfather. Yeah, and I guess LRMR has
0: already begun laying out a plan for Flint that ranges from fitness products and speaking appearances to a movie, television, and book. Now, LRMR also represents Miami Dolphins wide receiver Ted Ginn Jr., so they're looking at signing athletes, but you wouldn't think a 59-year-old grandfather would be on their roster, but when you start to see some of the things they may have in the works for him, it makes some sense. Hey, I'd listen to him speak. He sounds pretty inspirational. You know, it was great to catch up with Bill Polian of the Indianapolis Colts. I loved his answer and his Honesty when it came to the debate between Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf, and I had always wanted to ask him that question. And you know, as we talked earlier in the show, boy, he sure did make the right decision. Um, because could you imagine what the Colts' fortunes might have been like if they had taken Ryan Leaf? The thing that I thought he said that was most interesting is that everyone kind of assumed that Ryan Leaf had the stronger arm of the two, but when they tested, by the cold staff, Peyton Manning had a stronger arm than Ryan Leaf. That was something that I never knew until we just talked and, to Bill Polian, and,
1: and clearly stronger leadership than Ryan Leaf on the field and off the field. So, I mean, bar none, one of the best NFL decisions we've seen in years.
0: Yeah, and I mean, again, Bill Polian's a guy who's had success wherever he went. He built the Buffalo Bills into a team that went to four straight Super Bowls. And, uh, you know, he's had great success with the Colts. So just fantastic to catch up with him. want to thank him for joining us this week. Our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's the Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, ProTrade.com, and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand anytime you want. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. On our show next week. The number one pick from last year's NBA draft, Portland Blazers rookie Greg Oden. He will be our guest. It'll be good to catch up with him, see how his rehab is going, see what he's learning on the sidelines during his rookie season. I'm Brian Berger. I hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you next weekend.